0: and turn with me, if you don't mind, to the Old Testament book of Proverbs. The Old Testament book of Proverbs and Proverbs chapter 3. We'll be back into our main series of the life and ministry of Solomon back on Sunday. But before we hit there, we want to hit this important stage thing in the book of Proverbs, remember that we 're trying to get a lot of wisdom for this year, so each time we have a little bit of a break in our current series we 're running to proverbs and want this proverb here, maybe uh, some of your life first, if not, perhaps it will be after tonight. This proverb is a very special powerful, impactful, life-changing proverb, especially when we gravel hold of it. And so if you wouldn't mind to look with me in the book of Proverbs in chapter number three, the book of Proverbs chapter number three, and notice with me starting at verse number five, the book of Proverbs chapter three and verse number five, the word of God says this, trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not, Unto thine own understanding. And all thy ways acknowledge him. And he shall direct thy path. And if you're in habit of marking things in your Bible. Would you mark a phrase that we find in the book of Proverbs chapter 3. The book of Proverbs chapter 3. At the very end of verse 5. Notice this very important declarative statement. Lean not. Unto thine own understanding. Lean not. Unto thine own understanding. In fact, you might want to double underline that word, not lean, not unto thine own understanding. And if we could be honest, we are so guilty of leaning on our own understanding. And because of that, the first part of this clause doesn't come true that we're not trusting in the Lord. You see, you're either trusting in the Lord or you're trusting in yourself. If you don't mind, let's explore more about this after we go to the Lord together and pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much again for you being a wonderful God. And as we come up to you today, we're just asking that you would show yourself real, that you would be alive, that you would show yourself to be God. Out of all the messages in Proverbs, this is probably the one that we need the most. Because we love to try to be self sufficient. We love to try to do things ourselves. We try to accomplish things in our own strength and our own power, our own intellect and our own will. And then we end up missing all the things that you are able to do for us. Lord, I'm asking that we would just capture this open secret and that it wouldn't be hidden, it wouldn't be uh, just around the corner for us. But it would be something open, something plain, something helpful, something tangible, something practical, something life-changing. And we know that you can do this. Lord, I just acknowledge that I have no power in myself. I do not have the oratory skills, the intellect, the organizational skills to get this across the way that it should. So the best I know how I surrender myself to you, my ambitions, my goals, my desires, for the purpose that you get your own work accomplished the way that you desire to be accomplished, the way that it has to be accomplished for you to get your own work done, for the, that you get your own name glorified. Honor your own self tonight and let us be more dependent upon you because of this. And We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Someone once said that the book of Proverbs takes the Mosaic law and breaks it into a glowing myriad of colors, that it's almost like a prism that takes light rays and turns it into a rainbow of colors. The 316 commandments found in the Bible, in the law, all cover in the book of Proverbs all the different aspects of life. The book of Proverbs takes these commandments, transforms these commandments into poetry, flashing with different colors. Uh, What we're trying to do is just kind of show that the Bible's already given all of these things in principle inside of the law. But the book of Proverbs takes these principles, opens them up, puts it so we could have it in our mind, that we could see it with our mind's eye, grab a hold of it, and we could put God in his rightful place inside of our hearts. As we look at these two paired verses, we could see that life approaches two different ways. We either lean on ourselves or we lean on God. You've heard me explain it this way, that we either live our life by force or we live our life by faith. You are either trusting God or you're trusting yourself. Both of those statements cannot be true at the same time. You are either leaning on yourselves or you're leaning on God, not both. If we lean upon our intellect and our abilities, then we'll have no need to acknowledge God. Then we will end up failing. In fact, our biggest failures in life are where we succeed In things that is not God's will. Our biggest failures in life are where we succeed in things that's not God's will. We understand that man has some ability. There are people who have the ability to make money and praise the Lord for them. But if they depend upon their own ability, it's going to be what they and they alone can do. There are some people who are naturally smart, gifted in intelligence... And because they're gifted in that, they will always tend to trusting their own intellectual ability and not depend upon God. We know there are some people so smart for God. They're so smart that they don't need God. Don't even have to have God in their equations of their mind. We have some people that, that maybe it's not intellect, but maybe they have a force of will. We all know people like that. They just have a radiating will and they're just going to push forward and they're going to get it accomplished. It's going to get happened. And they can get done what they can get done. But they're going to miss out on what God's given to them. You are either trusting in God or you're trusting in yourself. Leaning on God or leaning on yourself. And we need to get to the place where we don't want or desire what man can get accomplished. We should want and desire what God and God alone can do. But when that happens, we have to learn to die to our will, our intellect, our abilities. And let me tell you, that is hard because we all want to be self-sufficient. In fact, that's our whole culture today is all about independence. I'm so independent, I don't need anyone. But I need the Lord. I have to have him. And the more independent that I am, the less that I'm trusting in the Lord. We have to learn to become completely dependent upon him. We have to acknowledge him and trust him. But on the flip side, if we don't trust ourselves, then we end up needing a sincere desire for the Lord. (coughs) Excuse me. If we have a need for God, we will acknowledge him, which he will then move and direct our paths. It is that divine direction that uh, presents opportunity to trust the Lord with all of our hearts. This is the idea of God's dependency, God's sufficiency. I'm dependent upon him. Again, this is the struggle that we have especially the longer that you become a christian the longer that you become a christian and get involved in christian things the harder it is not easier to depend on the lord what do i mean by that well let's just say that we have a young teenage boy who's going to be preaching he's not used to preaching and so he's got sweaty palms and he's Lord, please help, Lord, please help, Lord, please help. Oh, Lord, I need help, I need help. But he goes up and he's, he knows that he is unable. He doesn't know how to speak well. He doesn't have the words and he's doing the best he can and, and he survives and God helps him. But then he does it a couple more times and then he goes, you know what, I got this. You know, every other time that I did it, everything was all right. People patted me on the head and said, good job. I don't need to pray. I don't need to study. I've got this. I know how to do this now. And then falls on his face. We get to there. Maybe it's teaching a class or doing discipleship or living the Christian life. Or when you have to go talk to someone about the Lord and you're all trying to get the courage to go talk to that person. And you got the track in your hand and it's, and Lord, please help me. I don't know what to say. Then you can get to the place where you've done it a couple times. And now you don't even think about talking to the Lord. You just, I've got this. And then you get rejected more than you've ever got rejected before. It's because we start to do things in our own strength. You understand this lesson is not just for a baby Christian. This lesson is for those who have been Christians forever. That we get to the place where we begin to lean on our own understanding. Lean and trust in our own strengths. That we become more and more self-sufficient in the Lord's work. I've got this. I've done this enough times. I got the rotation, uh, the, the motions. I know when to stand up, sit down. I know what to say. I know I've got it down. And we end up failing in the Christian life. Because we think we're so successful. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. And lean not on thine own understanding. The first thing I want to bring to your attention here is our priorities. Our priorities. The key to our priorities is to trust the Lord. This is it. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. God is utterly dependable. We can trust him in all situations, in all areas. Now, the idea is to trust the Lord with all our heart. Now, this is where we have to define our terms. This carries the idea that we trust him with our intellect, with our emotions, and with our decisions. You understand that in the Bible, this idea of heart is often synonymous with our soul. In our soul, we have will, intellect, and emotions. So when it says that we trust the Lord with all of our heart, with all of our heart, that means that we have to learn to trust the Lord with our intellect, with our emotions, and with our decisions. As we're coming and breaking this down a little bit more, we're talking about our priorities. Let's start with our intellect, with our intellect, That we have to trust the Lord with all thine heart. That includes our intellect. Now again, when we say trust the Lord with all our heart, the first thing people go to is emotions. I'm trusting the Lord with all my heart. Pastor, I just feel like I'm trusting him. Lord, this is just what I feel like. Lord, I feel like he's close. Lord, I feel like he's not close. Lord, I feel... And it's all come to feelings. Lord, I'm trusting the Lord with all my heart. Well, I just don't feel like I'm supposed to do this. Well, it just, it doesn't hit me right here. No, 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 no. If we're going to trust the Lord with all of our hearts, we have to understand that includes, and first of all, our intellect. Our intellect. God wants us to trust him with our thinking, not just our feeling. We cannot base things just off of how we feel. If you based off things, how you feel, and we'll get to that in a second, you're going to be shipwrecked in your Christian life quite often. It starts with our intellect. God is not expecting us to trust him because of an emotional experience. I woke up this morning and I I just felt so close to him. I just know I'm going to trust him that day. Well, probably going to fail horribly bad. There has to be an intellectual experience here. Because of we studied the Lord. This is why we have to be in our Bible reading every day. I have to intellectually study God's word, learn more of him so that way I trust him more in our thoughts, not just how I feel. I have to study the Lord. I have to intellectually think about the Lord. What am I supposed to trust the Lord with? It's not the idea that I'm supposed to ride around today and, oh, I got a feeling. All right. Well, I'm going to trust the Lord now with what? Lord, I just joy you right now. And I'm looking at this person and I don't know how to deal with them, so I'm just going to joy them and do a care bear stare at them. It doesn't work. I have to study, I have to have some intellectual thought. Lord, what do I need you for? Lord, I need you with my thoughts. I need you with my words. I need you with my ambitions, my goals, my desires. I intellectually, with thought and purpose, acknowledge I need you in these areas. Not the idea, well, God, I just don't feel like I need you today. There's days you don't feel like it. That's why we can't base off it. I intellectually acknowledge no matter what I feel like, this is true, this is true, and this is true. That if we're going to trust the Lord with all of our hearts, it starts off with our intellect. With us acknowledging and knowing things that are true. That's why when we sing the song of standing on the promises of God, we often come back. You can't stand on promises if you don't know what they are. Well, I just feel like God's going to help me today. Well, do you have a Bible verse for that? He's just going to. Good luck. Good luck. There has to be an intellectual thought process. What do you need him for? What do you have to acknowledge him on? It starts with our intellect. Then it comes, we acknowledge our hearts, our emotions. Remember, Jeremiah warns us not to trust in our hearts, that our hearts are desperately wicked. They are deceitful, desperately wicked. Who can know it? When it says that who can know it, that means you can't know your own heart. Do you know that your heart will lie to you? All right. Here's one scenario. Someone looks at me different. They just hate me. I could just tell they hate me. I feel that they hate me. They could have just been looking at the sign and they were trying to squint and figure out what that sign said. I just know they hate me. I could tell by the way they looked at me, by the way they snided comment, by the way they blew their nose and sniffed at me. They, they just hate me. Have you ever been there? Yep. Our hearts can lie to us. They could have not even known you existed. It could not have been about you whatsoever. But I just feel like they do. I just feel like oh, everybody that works against me I feel like my teacher hates me. We have these feelings that are not based off of anything. And they will lie to us. Because what will happen is you will trust that feeling more than trust God. Well, I just don't feel it's going to work. Well, then it's not. I just don't feel like I can. Well, you can't. What happens Is our heart will lie to us. Our feelings will get to us. Sometimes our feelings for those who have pride issues like I do. I've got this. I feel like I could do this. And it won't happen. Our feelings can lie to us and make us so we are self-sufficient. Or looking at ourselves and not depending upon the Lord. Well I don't even know why I should go talk to that guy over there. I just feel like he's not going to respond well. How do you know? I can't tell you how many times that some biker out in the middle of winter who's just wearing a leather jacket with all of his tattoos respond better to a track than some guy who's looking nice and neat and clean. We don't know how people will respond. We can't base it off of feelings. Our heart will lie to us. We just have to say, I'm trusting in you in all things and acknowledge that my heart will lie to me. I can't even trust that because self sufficiency will not co align with trusting in the Lord. So, we understand that our soul, which is synonymous with hearts oftentimes in the Bible, is made out of will. It is made out of intellect and emotions. We talked about intellect, we talk about emotions. Let's go to will or our decisions. If we're going to trust the Lord with all of our hearts, we have to trust him with our thinking. If we're going to trust the Lord with all of our hearts, we have to trust him with all of our feeling, our hearts. We also have to trust the Lord with all of our decisions, with our decisions. Our decisions should be made because of who God is. It all begins with God. It all ends with God. God is our goal. Our decision should be based off the character of God and his desires for our life. Well, I just don't feel like I need to read the Bible today. Well, no, I need to make a decision. I'm going to read it whether I feel like I need it or not. I'm going to go to church whether I feel like I need it or not. I'm going to witness to someone whether I feel like they're going to respond or not. There has to be a decision that means if you are not making a decision, that means you are not trusting in the Lord. I was uh, trying to be an encouragement to a pastor of a church not too long ago, and we were talking about invitation, and we were bragging on how y'all seem to respond well for an invitation. And we understand there, there's a teaching that has to go along with it, that if I'm truly going to worship the Lord, then it's going to be worshiped, there's a decision that needs to be made, not just with my heart, well, I feel like I'm worshiping the Lord, or I'm just acknowledging things, there's a decision that has to be made. How do I know if I'm trusting the Lord by the decisions I make? Well, I know if I make this decision, it's going to be hard. I understand that. But because I trust the Lord, I'm going to make the decision anyways. So we understand when it's talking about this verse, trust in the Lord with all thine heart. There's a lot that goes along with it. It's not just, all right, I'm trusting the Lord with all of my feelings. No, intellect, will, and emotion are all involved. And if I am not trusting God with my decisions, I am not trusting God. If I'm not trusting God intellectually, that means I intellectually, on purpose, think about what I need to trust the Lord with. I am not trusting the Lord. If I'm not trusting the Lord with my heart by recognizing my heart will lie to me and that I don't need to... Ignore what my feelings say and see what the Bible has to say. I'm not trusting the Lord. You understand that? Now we're starting to clear away some of the wheat from the chaff. This idea of making decisions is a big deal. Someone who says, well, I trust the Lord, but won't make decisions is not trusting the Lord. Instead, they're leaning on their own understanding. This is what the warning is. Lean not unto thine own understanding. This warning is to tell us, don't lean on your understanding. Why not? For one reason, we don't have enough information. There are plenty of things we do not know. We're missing important pieces of the puzzle. Well, I don't feel like I need to read the Bible today. Well, I don't know everything that today is going to face. I may come to a life-changing decision that if I wasn't in my Bible, I'm not going to be prepared to make. Well, I just don't feel like they like me. Well, you know, that plays something in mind, how we treat people. If we think they don't like us first, we're not going to like them back. There's a lot to that. Well, I can't trust my own heart. I'm going to do this anyways. Well, I don't feel like they're going to respond to me. Well, that's going to... Lean upon my own understanding. I don't know if they're going to respond well or not. We're using some of those illustrations and recycling. We don't have enough information. It could be we don't even know what God's trying to get accomplished. If I do this, things are going to fall apart. May I go back and use a biblical illustration? I love the book of Jonah because one, it's often so mistaught. That They feel like Jonah is some young preacher boy who's running away uh, because he doesn't want to be called to preach. No, Jonah had already been preaching before kings at this time. He knew his Bible and understood prophecy. That was his problem. He understood that the Ninevites in the future were going to come and invade his land and his people and torture them and kill them. Because he was a good patriot, he was going to leave. That's why when he told them to throw him overboard, he wasn't fighting. He says, good, let them kill me, then I can't deliver the message. God will kill them. I'm saving my people. Jonah, as the old radio commentator said, the end of the story. Do you know that Jeremiah, or Jonah lost his ministry because of the book of Jonah? You see, what happened, God had said in the Levitical law anyone who made a prediction and it did not come to pass is disqualified. Well, didn't he tell them in 40 days that Nineveh would be destroyed? He did tell them that. In 40 days, was Nineveh destroyed? It was not. You see, part of what Jonah understood is that if he delivered this message and the people got right, he was out of ministry. He was disqualified now, but did God know what he was doing? Yes, because of this, Jeremiah got or Jonah got thoroughly right with God and ended up pinning the book of Jonah for our records. That wouldn't have happened beforehand. Did God know what he was doing? Especially to see half a million people get saved, was that worth it? Yes. So you understand, you may try to figure this from all the different angles, but when it's all said and done, you can't lean on your own understanding because you don't have enough information. You don't know what God's trying to do. Even if you say, if I do this, I'm going to have consequences. God knows all those consequences and he knows how he's going to use them. Can you trust him? How do I know if I trust him? By the decisions I make. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not unto your own understanding. I used I said this not too long ago. I think it was in a in a um, Monday night evening school of the Bible that you either obey the Lord or you think you have a better way. That's a different way of saying this verse here. That you either <laughs> do what the Lord says or you think you have a better way. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not into thine own understanding. You either do it God's way or you think that you have a better way. And God says, lean not unto your own understanding. God, his ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are above our thoughts. He knows what he's doing. And we don't have enough information. We have to trust him because he is dependable. He is trustworthy. We start off with our priorities, which leads us to our paths, to our paths. Notice with me in verse number six. In all thy ways, acknowledge him. If we're going to travel the paths we ought to take, it begins with God. Now notice this, this is a qualifier. May I say that when you see these words, these are big words. You were taught this in English grammar. In all thy ways. That doesn't say in some of thy ways or most of thy ways. All means all. In all thy ways acknowledge him. That means in everything he does, we acknowledge him. That means there are no private spots in your life that God doesn't have access to. In all your ways, acknowledge him. That means when you are at work, you acknowledge him. When I'm dealing with my family, I acknowledge him. When I'm dealing with neighbors, I acknowledge him. When I have my private time, I acknowledge him. In all thy ways. So many people try to... to carp- decompartmentalize their life, to put it in little compartments. God has this on Sunday morning and I get the rest of this. That doesn't work that way. In all thy ways, acknowledge him. Then notice what he'll do. And he shall direct thy paths. If you turn everything over to the Lord and God, you have free reign in my life. He will direct your paths and he will guide you to the way that you ought to go and let more things happen in your life than you could ever do yourself. I don't know of any truly born again Christian who's right with the Lord, who doesn't want to be used of God, but you know what really hinders us from being wonderfully used because we won't give them all of our ways. We like to keep back stuff. Lord, you could do anything in my life, but you can't touch this you can do anything in my life, but you can't touch this. And we set aside little things that says, no, God, I don't care what you tell me. I'm not going to do anything with this. And all thy ways acknowledge him and he will direct thy path. Self-sufficiency and dependence upon the Lord Cannot coexist. You have to choose. Either you're dependent upon God or you're dependent upon yourself. If you're dependent upon God, you've given to Him everything. I trust Him with my sleep. I trust Him with my kids. I trust Him with my family. I trust Him with my car. I trust Him with my television program. I trust Him with my movies I watch, my music I listen to, the games I play. I trust him with my friends I keep. I trust him with the way I speak. In all thy ways acknowledge him. And he will direct thy path. You see, it's a full surrender. All given to God. If you don't mind, let's turn to Psalm and see this principle carried out in Psalm 10. Psalm 10. So if you're in Proverbs, just turn to one book to the left, Psalm 10. And then we'll go to a biblical illustration, but just see what the Psalm has to say. Psalm 10. Psalm 10, notice with me, starting at verse number three, Psalm 10, starting at verse number three. Let you see it for yourself. These are important verses that go right after what we've just got through speaking about. A repeated principle Psalm 10, starting at verse 3. For the wicked boasteth of his heart's desire. We already covered that, right? The wicked always talk about, well, this is the desire of my heart. This is where my heart is leading me. For the wicked boasteth of his heart's desire. And blesseth the covetous, whom the Lord abhorreth. The wicked, through the pride of his countenance, will not seek after God. God is not in all his thoughts. You see, in verses 3 and 4, here is a wicked who is going after their own heart. And because they're (laughs) uh, going after their own heart, they will not acknowledge God in all of their ways. All this is doing is repeating the same principle we saw in Proverbs. But God happens to call them wicked. You see, these people have made a decision. I'm not going to trust God in everything in my life. And they're going to run into a problem. Notice as we see it carried out further in verse 11. He that said in his heart, God hath forgotten. He hideth his face. He will never see it. What this is speaking about is that God becomes an afterthought. You see, they went ahead and did whatever they wanted anyways and then say, you know what? It doesn't even matter to God. It's fine. You see, they didn't think about God before they did the act. They thought about him afterwards and then justified "Eh, it. It doesn't matter to God. You see, in all their ways, they didn't acknowledge God. And what happens is that more and more self-sufficiency gets to the place where God becomes less and less in their thoughts. More and more of an afterthought. If you could forgive me, I don't usually give personal illustrations. I'm going to go to a biblical illustration in just a second, but I'm just reminded. When I was in the military, I got moved from Keesler Air Force Base to from medical school and went to my duty assignment of Luke Air Force Base in Arizona And uh, (laughs) when I got there, my truck that I drove across the nation from (laughs) Keesler to South Dakota to Phoenix, you know, because that's the most direct route died and it never ran again it hit the gates and never drive again so I therefore was had to be dependent on someone to give me a ride to church so I got a hold of a good local church and asked if they give me a ride they said well we happen to have a new or one of our old church kids that is now in the air force he's now in the air force base with you he's got to come to church anyway so he can give you a ride sure great well it started to go well until the kids stopped going to church and I couldn't get anyone else to give me a ride And so now I'm without a ride to church. Well, I started to justify things in my mind saying, you know what? I know that I haven't been to church in a little bit, but you know, I'm reading my Bible every day and I'm reading more Bible than the rest of those other Christians. Except my Bible reading was fruitless, didn't know anything I was reading. And I'm a, I'm not going to church, but I'm praying more than all those other people going to church. But my prayers are bouncing off the ceiling what happened is I got to the place where I was self-sufficient. <laughs> Look at me, I'm a good Christian. I know I don't have to go to church, but I read my Bible and I'm praying. Look at me, I've got this thing licked down. And it wasn't until it came across my thought a little bit later, after two years of this, that I hadn't thought about Jesus for three or for about two or three weeks I still was reading my Bible and still praying, but I hadn't thought about Jesus in two to three weeks. That's what it says here, that he became an afterthought. I was living a Christian life and I'm looking better than the other Christians, but he's not in my thoughts. He was at the place where He didn't enter in. That's when I finally acknowledged and realized how backslidden I really was. Because if I was a true Christian who was in love with the Lord, he should be in my thoughts all the time. Not whenever there's free time or whenever it creeps up. That changed everything for me. That's when that verse in Proverbs became so real that I'm not to lean upon my own understanding with all my heart. I'm supposed to trust in him because if not, he doesn't become a part of my thoughts. He's an afterthought. He's not important to me no more. He's just something that kind of creeps in every once in a while. And because of that, he definitely wasn't directing my path. In fact, it was during that time that I was getting in lots of trouble I was having to take some more medical classes and I was failing them. Even got threatened to get kicked out of the military at that time. Now God was good in trying to stir things up to get my attention. But that was all me trying to do it myself and watching it fail horribly. If (laughs) it's all about putting our understanding and our dependence upon him. He knows what's best. Now, if we are letting him direct our path, the one thing about the path that comes from God is that it will not fall apart and it will withstand trials and tests. Whereas becoming self-sufficient is the slow, deceptive, dangerous way of removing God from your life. Now, remember... When I was talking about and Backslidden, I wasn't saying, I hate Christians and I hate the Bible. It was, oh, I'm reading more Bible than the rest of them. I'm praying more. Look, I'm good. And God was leaving my thoughts the whole time. The slow, dangerous, deceptive way. Self-sufficiency is that slow, deceptive, dangerous way of removing God from your life. At the same time, not saying, well, I hate God and I hate Christians. No, no, this is where we're at. That you could get so used to being a Christian and so used to trusting in your own skills, your own abilities, your own heart, that it gets to the place where God is just an afterthought and not the first thought. May I give a biblical uh, (laughs) illustration of this, of trusting the Lord Remember, there are oftentimes we don't have enough information. Turn with me, if you don't mind, to the book of Acts. The book of Acts in chapter 16. Remember that in all the Proverbs, we could often match it up to a biblical historical account person. And this is no different. In the book of Acts in chapter 16, we have the Apostle Paul who is now on his second missionary journey. He has now traveled, He's started churches all across the Asia part. And now he's going off to do it again. And things are starting to work. But all of a sudden there becomes a hiccup. Now, let's imagine that Paul, he's starting lots of churches. People are getting saved. You want that to continue. But all of a sudden things start to hit a brick wall. Could you imagine that'd be kind of confusing? Here's Paul who's trying to do everything he's doing that's right. People are getting saved. Churches are being started and a brick wall is hit. There's obstacles in the path. You imagine how frustrating that would be. God, I'm doing what you told me to do. Why are you putting, why isn't it working? Why isn't it going forward? The principle is that God knows what he's doing. Paul, can you trust me? I have more information than you. I know what I'm doing. You could of course force and make things happen. But I've got a better plan. Notice what this better plan was. Notice with me starting at verse 4. Acts chapter 16 and verse number 4. And as they went through the cities, they delivered them decrees to keep and ordained of the apostles and elders which were at Jerusalem. And so were the churches established in the faith and increased in number daily. Now when they had gone through Pergia and the region of Galatia, and were forbidden of the Holy Ghost to preach the word in Asia. Now churches are being started. But now God says, no, no, we're not doing this in Asia. But, 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 but look at everything that's happening. Don't you want to see people saved? Yes, Paul, I've got a better plan. Verse 7. And when they come to Mysia, they assuage to go to Bithynia. But the Spirit suffered them not. So God had put clear obstacles to shut it down. How frustrating would that be? I just want to serve you. I want to see people get saved. There's nothing wrong with that. It's been working before. This is my second missionary journey. Why isn't it working? Verse number eight. And as they passed to Mysia, they came to Troas. And a vision appeared to Paul in the night. And there a man of Macedonia prayed to him, saying, come over into Macedonia and help us. And after he had seen the vision, immediately we endeavored to go to Macedonia, assuredly gathering that the Lord had called us to preach the gospel unto them. Now, this is where Bible geography comes to play. All of this time, they had worked primarily in Asia. So they had worked in in the Eastern idea, the Eastern thought. Now, as they go to Macedonia, Macedonia is in Europe. And now, because of this, Paul would have content to go further and further to Asia. So what he would have done is gone to the Middle East and started to work his way to the Far East, going to India, going to China, working all of that region. That's where he wanted the gospel to head to. But God stopped it and turned it and put it into Europe. Now, why is this a big deal? Well, as far as I know, almost all of us are European descent. But you know something else? Macedonia was in a region that we would call Greece, northern Greece. And it's in Greece that they had developed the philosophy of freedom, of democracy, of Western thought. The way that we think today is Western thought. Now, may I tell that biblical Christianity is not necessarily Western thought, but because the gospel now went there, the idea of justice and freedom and stuff got intertwined and then carried out to the world, to the world that we have today. All because God said, no, Paul, you can't start a church there. Paul, no. And he kept resisting Paul and putting a plan. And Paul had to surrender and say, it's not my will, but thine. I don't know what you're doing, God, but I'm trusting in you. And God says, now that you trust me, let me direct your path. I'm bringing you somewhere in a different direction, the opposite direction of where you want it to go. Because I know in the future that I want Western civilization to advance. Could you imagine if the gospel had went to China, India, and developed from there? We would have had a very different world. Now, Christianity is not dependent upon Western thought. But do you understand? It is helpful that they coincide it together. These are very big deals. God knew what he was doing. But Paul could have slammed his foot down and said, No, I'm going to do it my way. It's worked before. I'm gonna... But he had to say, Trust in the Lord with all thy heart. Remember, the heart is not just the feelings, but with the intellect. God, I acknowledge intellectually you know what you're doing. You have a bigger plan, so I'm making a decision whatever you want, that's what's going to be done. I don't understand what you're doing. I don't see what you're going to do. I don't know why you would be shutting it down when it's worked so far. And God says, You don't have to know, you just have to trust me. And because He did, We have 2,000 years of wonderful church history that's developed. And not just church history, world history. No wonder when we study, there is a reason why when you study history, you're not studying the history of China or India. You're studying Western civilization because it is the influence of the world that we live in. And we have the concepts. You understand they didn't have the concept in Paul's day of democracy You know, the idea of church votes was not found in the book of Acts. But aren't you glad that we do have some semblance of democracy that we now understand? The idea of freedom and justice in courts, that's Western thought. God knew what he was doing. And by the way, God knows what he's doing in your life too. The idea is is can you trust him? But I don't have all the information. Nor do you need all the information. Is God dependable? That has to be an intellectual understanding that leads to a decision. I'm going to obey what he told me to do. When you do that, he will direct your path. Once again, notice with me, let's just read it one last time Proverbs chapter 3. Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord. With all thine heart and lean not into thine own understanding and all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall direct thy paths. (laughs) Maybe tonight some of you just need to make an intellectual decision. Lord, you are right. Right because you are right, this is what I decide to do. Maybe God's been trying to get you to obey something and you've been resisting. Lord, I've got a better plan. I've got a different way of doing it. You have to acknowledge God knows what he's doing. And it may be not make sense to you, or it may be inconvenient to you, but you have to make the decision. I'm going to do it anyways, and I'm going to let God direct my path. He knows what he's doing. Again, that's an intellectual decision that sometimes we have to make. Lord, I surrender. You know what you're doing. Thank you for listening to this audio message. This is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and I encourage you to take this information that you just received and make a specific decision to follow after the Lord. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, let me beg you to take the time